Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, September 1st, 2019, on the basis of Luke 13, verses 22 through 30. If you would have walked into an NFL locker room late this past week, you might have seen something like this. And no, it's not because professional football players were all raised in barns and don't know how to keep their rooms clean. It's because late this last week, all 32 NFL teams had to make their final roster cuts, which means that across the league, nearly a thousand players had to clean up their lockers and pack their bags. They lost their jobs, and in many cases, their dreams of playing in the NFL came to an end. As you might imagine, delivering that news to all of those players is probably one of the most difficult things for NFL teams to do. I'm not sure exactly how they do it. I know how I would do it. I would probably say something like, you know, you're a terrific football player, but we're only allowed to keep 53 players on the team, and so unfortunately, we're going to have to let you go. Or I might say, you know, we'd really love to have you on the team, but here in the NFL there's a, a salary cap. And so if we kept you, if we, if we paid your salary, we wouldn't have room underneath the cap to pay everybody else. I would look for any explanation I could find other than the actual one, which of course is that if that person were a better football player, one way or another we would find a way for them to be on the team. Anytime there is difficult or unpleasant news to deliver, we do all we can to keep someone from taking it personally. And when it comes to difficult and unpleasant news, there's really nothing that tops the news that Jesus delivers to us today. As we continue in this worship series that's entitled Divided by Jesus, today we see Jesus divide those who are in from those who are out. In other words, Jesus draws a line that divides all of humanity between those who will spend an eternity in heaven with him to those who will spend an eternity in hell without him. And because that is such a difficult and unpleasant topic to talk about or think about, it's no wonder that so often we do all we can to keep ourselves and keep others from making it personal. Why we ask questions like, Is hell really an actual place? Would a a loving God really send people there? Is it really going to be as bad as the Bible makes it out to be? Is it really going to last forever? Do you really have to be a Christian if you don't want to end up there? What about this hypothetical person or that hypothetical situation? Anything and everything we can to avoid making it personal. But as we look at these words of Jesus today, we're going to see that Jesus doesn't let us off the hook quite that easily. Rather than allowing us to avoid the issue with all of those distractions, Jesus forces us to confront the issue. When it comes to this question of who's in or who's out, Jesus makes it personal. And he does so by teaching two things that seem to be self-contradictory. He does so by, first of all, teaching us that the door is narrow but wide open. And secondly, that entry through that door is easy, but also agonizing. What prompted Jesus to say these words was actually one of these questions that sort of diverts our attention away from the real issue. Jesus was traveling from town to town, teaching as he went. There was a large crowd of people following him, and someone from that crowd asked Jesus, 
Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? In other words, how many people get into heaven? I know 53 people get to make the Green Bay Packers, but how many people are going to get into heaven? Do you see how that's nothing but a distraction? What difference does it make, really, how many people get in? The real question, of course, is, will you be one of them? And so Jesus ignores the question that the man asks, and he instead answers the question that he should have asked. And he answers that by saying this, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. So according to Jesus, first of all, there is just one door to heaven. And not only that, but it is a narrow door. And not only that, but we need to make every effort to enter through that door because many will try but not succeed. Safe to say, these are some of the reasons why people find the Bible's teaching about heaven and hell to be so unpleasant. We would much rather have it be the case that there are many doors to get into heaven and that as long as someone is trying their best to be a good person, they will get in. We'd much rather have it be the case that anybody that tries to get into heaven is going to succeed. So whether you're a Christian or if you're a Muslim or a Hindu or just someone who's spiritual but not religious, as long as you are trying your best to be a good person, you get in. We'd much rather have it be that way. And in fact, we think that if it were that way, heaven would be more wide open and more people would be allowed to get in. The reality is that the opposite is the case. We might picture it this way. Imagine there is a new restaurant that everyone wants to go to. It's got great food at a reasonable price, and so everybody wants to go. And sure enough, this restaurant has many different doors, wide doors at that. There are doors on the front of the building. There are doors on both sides of the building, all kinds of ways to get in. And yet this restaurant that you are picturing is located in the American South back in the 1960s which means that out on the front window, there is a sign that says this, whites only. Are there lots of different ways to get into that restaurant? Of course there are. Does that mean that everyone gets to go in? Of course not. See, it's easy for us to think that it would be great if there were lots of different ways to get into heaven. We think that we'd be opening heaven up to more and more people. Really, we would be doing just the opposite. We would be making it like that restaurant. Sure, there would be lots of doors, but there would be a sign out in the front. It wouldn't be a sign that says whites only. It would be a sign that says good people only. Which, of course, raises the question, what about the bad people? Would there be any hope for them? And in fact, in the the spirit of making all things personal the way that Jesus does in these verses, which of those categories do you fall into? good or bad. When it comes to the first and greatest commandment, to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, good or bad. When it comes to making God not just sort of an incidental part of your life, but really the very center of your life. When it comes to making, hearing God's word, the one thing in your life that you'll do everything to schedule around and everything to sacrifice for, both here at church on Sunday mornings and in your homes and with your families, good or bad. When it comes to the second great commandment God gives, to love your neighbor as yourself, good or bad. 
when it comes to putting others first, letting others go first, letting others pick first, letting others get in line for snacks first, letting others get praise and recognition and credit first, when it comes to being slow to anger and quick to forgive, when it comes to treating well those who treat you poorly and those from whom you are very different and those with whom you very much disagree, good or bad. Well, nobody's perfect, of course, which is why we said what we said, right? As long as you're trying to be a good person, you'll get in. Do we even measure up to that qualification? Or isn't it often the case that even when we know exactly what the right thing is, but that right thing will be difficult or painful or unpopular, we don't even try. We just give up and we just give in to sin. If getting into heaven requires you to be a good person or to even try your best to be a good person, you find me one person who qualifies. In contrast, Jesus says that there's just one door, and yes, it is a narrow door, but by, believe it or not, by saying that, Jesus opens up heaven to absolutely everyone. Why? Because that one door, that narrow door, is him. The Christian teaching is that there are no qualifications that need to be met, no standards that need to be risen up to, no criteria that we need to live up to. The Christian message is that there has been one person who's already done that for all of us, one person who has not just tried to be a good person, but who has succeeded at being a perfect person for all of us and in all of our places. One person who took all of the bad things done by all of the bad people in the world, took them on himself and paid for them with his death on the cross. The Christian message is that no matter what you have done, no matter who you are, no matter what your past looks like, Trust in Jesus, and you are in. Yes, the door is narrow, but it is wide, wide open. No one is excluded. No one needs to be left out. Now, if that's the case, and if we understand that that's the case, then that also helps us understand the second seemingly contradictory aspect of Jesus' teaching here. That if the door is wide, wide open, and no qualifications, no expectations need to be met, then entering through that door ought to be easy. And it is. It's the easiest thing in all the world. But notice what Jesus says. Make every effort to enter through that door. Entering through that door is not just easy, it's also agonizing. In fact, the word that Jesus uses there is a word that he borrows from athletic competition. We could say that in order to enter through that door, Jesus is saying you've got to pay the price. You've got to work hard. You've got to sweat. You've got to put in the hours in the gym and the weight room and on the practice field because many people are going to try to enter through that door but will sadly fail. Now, why is that the case? Well, as Jesus finishes up his story, we learn quite a bit about these people who seemingly want to get in, but sadly are left out. First of all, notice how getting in to this house, to this banquet that the master is throwing, is not at all important to them until it's too late. The door has been opened the entire time, but it's not until the master stands up and shuts the door that they care one bit about being inside. And then notice their conversation. 
when they find out that they are locked out, they are absolutely shocked. And why? Because they assume that simply because of the fact that they sort of lived in close proximity to this house and this master and this banquet, because they had some sort of superficial external connection to it, that that would somehow guarantee their spot inside. From Jesus' words, we also learn that it, it appears that they also assumed that because they had family members who they knew were inside, they would, they would get into. And also because they knew that there were people on all different parts of the world, godless pagans living all over the place who were much, much worse than them, then surely they would be allowed to get inside as well. Imagine their shock at Jesus' words when he says, you might think that you know me, but I don't know you. And those family members, people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, yeah, they're inside, but, but you won't be. And those godless heathen that you think you're so much better in, they're getting in while you get left out. See, as Jesus makes this teaching about heaven and hell very, very personal, he exposes something about human nature. <clears throat> human beings are very quick to look for shortcuts, to look for the easy way out. We want the quickest and easiest evidence that guarantees that if anybody's getting into heaven, it's surely going to be us. So maybe we too rely on some sort of superficial external connection to God. You know, I was baptized as a baby and my parents took me to Sunday school and I'm still a member of that church in town, never mind the fact that I haven't gone in a couple of years. Maybe we rely on our relationship with family members. And my grandparents, they were, they were super devout Christians. They went to church every single week. Religion's always been a big part of my family. Or maybe we rely on how we think we stand in comparison to other people. Sure, I know I'm not perfect. I know I don't always try as well as I could, but I know there are a lot of wicked people out there who are doing much worse than I am. Really, any and every explanation we can find that would somehow guarantee us a spot in heaven looking for the easiest and quickest way to sort of check off the Jesus box in our lives so that we can just move on to the really fun stuff in life. In contrast, Jesus says that getting into heaven is, yes, on the one hand, very, very easy, but agonizing. We might picture it this way. If there is just one door to heaven, and if that door is very narrow, then there is one way for sure that we are not going to get in, and that's with our hands full. That's if we were carrying with us as we tried to get through that door, some big, wide, heavy object. And really, any evidence that we might look to in our own lives as proof, as that, that shortcut, easy way out guarantee that we're going to get in is just that. It is something that we are trying to carry through the narrow door with us. If the door really is narrow, that's, there's just one way to get in, and that's empty-handed. That's having taken all of those things that we can so easily be so proud of and putting them down, leaving them behind, admitting that when it comes to this threshold to eternal life, we bring absolutely nothing to the table. And friends, rest assured, there is absolutely nothing that is more painful for a human being than to admit to that. Nothing that is more agonizing and more difficult than to admit to that, to set those things down and to stand before God completely empty-handed. Easy, yes. Agonizing, yes. We might picture it this way. I mentioned before that every NFL team is allowed to have 53 players on it. And as I mentioned before, that means that dozens of players get cut. Dozens more never even got drafted or invited to try out. 
Dozens more never played a down in college. Dozens more were on the high school team but never saw the field. And for thousands and thousands more, maybe the only football they were ever good at was fantasy football or the latest version of NFL Madden as they sat there and played it on their couches. Millions of people dream of playing in the NFL. Many of them pour out all kinds of agony and blood and sweat and tears. And yet, except for a very select few, everyone gets left out. In contrast, you maybe know that next Sunday, right here in our own backyard, there's going to be the annual Wisconsin Ironman Triathlon. Do you know how many people participate? Do you, I'm sorry, do you know how many people are allowed to participate in the Ironman Triathlon each year? There's a cap. It's much greater than 53. It's actually 3,000. Do you know how many people participate in Ironman Wisconsin each year? Less than that. I looked at the records going all the way back to 2002, and in each and every year, there were plenty of open spaces left for anyone who wanted to register for Ironman Wisconsin. In fact, believe it or not, even though it's only a week away, it is not too late to register. If you're looking for something to do next Sunday, <laughs> there you go. In comparison to making an NFL team, you could say that being in the Ironman Wisconsin is the easiest thing in the world. All you have to do is sign up. There's no one who's going to take your spot. There's no one who's going to bump you out. In fact, whether you finish way at the front of the pack or dead last, the same exact prize is waiting for you at the finish line. It's the easiest thing in the world. Is it going to be filled with a lot of agony along the way? Of course it is. Every participant, no doubt, gets to that point where they just want to quit, where they just want to give up, where every single step is pure agony. In the very same way, is getting into heaven the easiest thing in the world? Absolutely. There are no requirements that need to be met. Jesus has done absolutely everything for us. Is it also agonizing? Yes. As we continue in this series, we're going to find out just how much we as human beings want to pick things up and try and carry them through the narrow door with us, which means that we constantly need Jesus. We constantly need Jesus' word to take those things, whatever they are, and rip them out of our hands. We need to be divided by Jesus from whatever it is that we might try to carry into heaven with us. You know, if you're looking for something to do next Sunday, I'm guessing you're not going to sign up to participate in Ironman Wisconsin, but one thing that would be a lot of fun would be to go down to the finish line at night. And if you went down to the finish line in the evening, you might see something like this. Jesus seems to be saying, contradictory things in these verses. This certainly seems to be a contradictory image. Fourteen and a half hours full of all kinds of agony. And yet at the finish line, pure and unadulterated joy. Friends, this is what Jesus wants you to know about who's in and who's out. Jesus makes it very personal. He looks you right in the eye. He sort of gives you one of these and says, pay close attention. On the one hand, this is the easiest thing in the world. Everything has already been done. But on the other hand, whatever it is that you think you want to carry in with you, put it down. Leave it behind. And as painful and as agonizing as that might be, rest assured that when you get to that finish line, there will be joy in your heart and a smile on your face. Amen. 
Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org. Thank you.